1 Kings 13 and verse number 15. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, I am a prophet as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for these guys being here. Uh, once again, Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts. God, please clear our minds of all distractions. Lord, help us to focus in. God, because it's your word and because it is your word, Lord, it makes it important and it makes it of the utmost importance. I pray you would please help us to lock in on it. And God, that you would show us where we're lacking or where we need to um, fortify some area of our lives, Lord. I pray you please help us. I pray you give me the right words and thoughts and spirit. Help us to hear your voice through the preaching very strongly, Lord. I pray you convict our hearts. And God, help us to respond um, the way you want us to today, Lord. That we would obey you, that we would submit ourselves, and that we would follow willingly whatever you say, Lord. I pray you please give me, the, give me your help. I certainly do need it. And God, I pray that it would go way beyond me, God, and we would hear from you today and be changed as a result of it. Thank you for your goodness, and thank you again for these fellows being here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you for standing. Guys, we are preaching about this thought. Just a little does hurt you. Okay? Just a little does hurt you. And we'll catch up with it here in 1 Kings 13. But we started out, because I wanted you guys to consider, first of all, a tactic of the devil, a tactic of the devil. For that, we were in Genesis 3. You don't have to turn there because I just want to uh, reference it verbally and then we'll talk through it and catch us up to speed. But guys, what is the tactic of the devil, the main tactic of the devil that he used in Genesis chapter 3 when he tempted Adam and Eve? How did he come at them? Kind of, he kind of comes at you like subtly. Yeah. He tries to be like slick and like sly about it. Exactly, yeah. He tries to be subtle about it. Bible says in Genesis 3, 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And then we know that the devil is speaking to Eve and tempting her and saying, you know, uh, did God really say that? And it continues on. Eventually she eats of the fruit, right? Gives to Adam. He sins. The whole human race is plunged into sin as a result of it. Guys, it's a tactic of the devil to be subtle. Guys, he is a master of subtlety. Guys, what that's talking about, like, like Wes alluded to, subtle means small. Barely noticeable. You listening today? Are we awake? All right. It's small. It's barely noticeable. It's very slight. <laughs> you ever watch the cartoons as a kid or as a teenager? It's up to you. You know, some of you are like, I never watched those. You watched them yesterday. Stop lying. All right. Listen, but you ever watch the cartoons and the guy's trying to sneak up on somebody? But what do they do? They get behind like a plant or a tree or something, right? And then they move just a little, right? And they move a little, little, little. And then before you know it, they're on top of that guy, right? That's an example of subtlety. Listen, if they just rushed up behind them, obviously the guy would realize it and, and know what's going on. But it's just subtle, right? He turns around. He sees the plant over here. He turns around. He's like, hmm, that's weird. Did that thing move? You know, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's subtle. It moves very slight and very small, but it is moving. That's how the devil came at Eve. And he starts off very small. Guys, listen, when he comes at you, which he's going to this week, he's going to come subtly. 
He's not going to say, hey, I want to totally blow your life this week. Is that cool? He's not going to say, hey, I want to destroy you and ruin you. Hey, I want you to mess up with a girl this week. Or I want you to uh, get off into drugs or alcohol or some party life. I want you to do that right away. That's not how he starts. Guys, he just starts very slowly, very subtly, and very small. And we think, oh, there's no big deal to it. You know, Zach, a lot of guys have ended up way on down the road. But how they started was just very small. They just went to the party. Or they just started hanging around those people that they knew weren't living right. Or they just took the first sip of that alcohol. Or they just tried out some of those drugs. Or whatever it may be, guys. But it's just very small and subtle. That's how the devil works. But guys, don't get it mistaken. When it starts off small, the devil still has his sure mindset. You know what his mindset is? He's a lion seeking whom he may devour. That's where he's trying to get you. Okay, that's his ultimate goal. That's his full agenda. He's trying to he's trying to seek you to devour you. He wants to sift you as wheat. He's a thief that wants to steal, kill and destroy you. Guys, that's a big deal. And the Bible talks about that he's a liar and a murderer. And he's been like that from the beginning. Guys, he wants to lie to you this week. He wants to take you down and destroy you this week. But he doesn't go with his full fledged plan. He just starts off. Very slow and incrementally. That's how the devil works. His sure mindset is to destroy you and to devour you. Guys, don't get it mistaken. The devil hasn't reformed. He hasn't been rehabilitated. And he certainly hasn't repented. The devil hasn't changed. He took Adam and Eve down in Genesis 3. And all throughout the Bible, we could talk about examples. But guys, he's still after it today. He wants to destroy people. And you can put your name in there. And once he can get you to, to move just a little bit, just budge a little bit, then he wants to keep that steady momentum going. We talked about last week that um, it's the first law of motion in physics, but it says objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Guys, once he can get you to move, that first um, step is always the hardest. But once you take that first step to compromise or that first step into sin, the other things can start falling down very quickly like dominoes. You ever see those? They have them lined up. They knock over one and then it's just, right? That's how the devil can work, guys. But that first step is always the toughest one. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Listen, there's undetected danger. When we're talking about Genesis 3, there's undetected danger. And then there's unforeseen damage. Listen, Adam and Eve didn't realize the extent of the damage that would happen if they just took that one bite. They just thought it would taste good. That's as far out as they were thinking. They... There was some damage that they didn't realize. They couldn't foresee that. They didn't know about it. But guys, can I tell you who does know? The devil. He knows where he wants to end up with you. He knows the end game that he's shooting for, guys. And he has it all planned out. He's got the strategy set because that's where he wants you to end up. And once you sin like they did when they ate of the fruit, then you're stuck in misery. Now you're in a mess. The Bible says in Proverbs, his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holding with the cords of his sins. And guys, we talked about this is the standard method of the devil. Guys, this is how he works. He works subtly in Genesis 3. And young man, mark it down. This week, the devil's going to work subtly on you. He's coming after you this week, but he's not going to come with some drastic, huge, massive plan and say, hey, can I totally destroy your life on Tuesday? No, but he's going to start very slow and very incrementally. What can I get him to listen to this week? What can I get him to care about more than God this week? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's some girl. Maybe it's being accepted by his friends. Listen, he's just going to try to scoot you just a little, just a little. And guys, you got to watch out even more. Because it's so small, we think it's no threat. We think it's no real danger to it. 
but it's all the more deceptive. Let me give you this quote and we'll move on to point number two. It's amazing how far the devil can take you by just getting you to move a little at a time. Guys, I've seen people change over a couple years' time frame. They used to believe this way. They used to stand here. They used to live right. And now they're way over here. It's like you wouldn't even recognize them anymore. How does that happen? It doesn't happen overnight. It didn't, Zach, it wasn't just one decision where, bam, they're way over here. It's just little, it's just little, it's just little. And you don't notice it right away. And these people say, no, I haven't changed. But you look back over time and they've moved massively in their life. And that's a sad thing. Hey, guys, guys, devil's coming after you this week subtly. Be on guard. Pay attention. Listen, he's going to come after you. Listen, maybe he can just get you to listen to that one song this week. Maybe he can just get you to click on that one thing this week. Hey, let's pay attention. Let's be on alert. The Bible's not joking when it says be sober and be vigilant because the devil, your adversary, the devil has a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's just going to try to get you a move a little at a time. It's a tactic of the devil, guys. There's no question about it. Subtlety is a tactic of the devil. Now, point number two. The trend that's deadly. This is where we meet up where 1 Kings 13, where I had you guys turn to. All right, guys, go back to the end of chapter 12. I'm just going to try to refer to this. But let me refresh your memory from last week, all right? So the trend that's deadly. At the end of chapter 12 and verse 28, this, like I said, is when the kingdom split. This is the northern kingdom, and the king is named Jeroboam. He's worried because his kingdom is split when it's worship time that everybody's going to have to go back to the other kingdom and worship there at Jerusalem because that territory belonged to them. And he thought when people have to go back and worship there, their loyalty is going to go to the other king. It's going to mess everything up. What does he do? He says, well, let me make a substitute. Let me make a compromise. And what he does, guys, he forms two golden calves. It's amazing, Zach, how we've encountered golden calves before when Moses was up on the mountain meeting with God and Aaron loses his mind and the people lose their mind and they form a golden calf. And Aaron says, I just threw the gold in there. And here came a golden calf. If I was Moses, I'd be like, you probably didn't see this coming, but you know, that's what he should have done. Listen, of course it didn't just happen. He graved it. He, he very skillfully made it that way. But that's the other time the golden calf pops up in the Bible. But guys, they're attributing the works of God to this false idol. And God is very displeased with it. They put, they put uh, one of these calves in Bethel. It, Bethel means the house of God. The devil's always going to try to take over the place where God has worked in your life. And then Dan, and Dan was actually at the top of Israel. So these two spots, and this is where they would go to worship now. God is not pleased with this, right? God is angry about this. Chapter 13, he sends a prophet, the man of God. He sends him to call out the king whose name is Jeroboam and to prophesy um, judgment on this altar. So he get this, guys. He shows up. Jeroboam's actually there uh, um, burning incense right then. The, the preacher man shows up. The man of God calls him out and says, this altar is going down. It's going to be destroyed. He prophesies of a King Josiah that wouldn't even be born for 300 years into the future. Guys, that's a, that shows you this book, the Bible comes from God that no man could ever have come up with something like this. But he says, this altar is going down. This worship is going down and Jeroboam, you are going down. What do you think the King's reaction to that was? Oh, nice message, man of God. No, he was ticked off about that. Guys, what does he do as he's there at the altar giving incense? When he hears what this preacher is prophesying, he stops in the middle of it 
and he's going to point this guy out. Let's just read it. Verse number four came to pass. King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God when he had cried against the altar in Bethel that he put forth his hand from the altar saying, lay hold on him. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it again to him. Guys, as he's doing the incense there, he calls to his guards to arrest this man. He says, lay hands on him, grab him, arrest him, hold him. And guys, when he points out the man of God to his guards, God withers up his hand. He loses strength like he can't pull it back in. It's like his hand goes paralyzed. So he says, arrest him. And then he's like, oh, my goodness, I can't feel my arm. He can't do anything with it. He's freaked out, guys. It's amazing how his attitude completely changes about the man of God right after that. All right. He just got a lose feeling in your arm. And then he says, oh, man of God, verse six, would you pray for me that God will restore my strength back to my arm? If I were the man of God, I'd be like, yeah, right. You're trying to kill me. But anyway, this man of God is a nice guy and he prays for him. God gives uh the king back his strength in his arm. Things get rolling again. But the key point that we're getting to, guys, right after that, the king says, hey, man, thank you for praying for me. Arm feels great now. Range of motion. You know, got, all, got it all down. Hey, why don't you come home with me to the palace? We can chill. I can give you some, some nice food. We got the finest food in my palace and, and some nice drink. Why don't you come home and chill with me? The man of God is staunch. He's strong, guys. He's settled, saying, no way. I would never do that, even if you gave me half of what you owned. I don't think the king was offering that, but he's just emphasizing, saying, I would not do that. Why? Verse number nine. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. Guys, he had a clear command from God. He had a clear command from God. Go preach to this wicked king prophesy judgment on him and once you finish with that get out of there don't stop anywhere don't stop off at the 7-eleven don't go to anybody's house and especially don't eat bread don't drink water get out of there the king offers him but guys he's strong he he's got convictions he he knows where he stands he says no way king i'm not doing it and he leaves you think great story right we continue on though and it keeps going Verse number 15, there's an older prophet that comes and finds this man of God. At this point, the man of God is resting under an oak tree. And in verse 15, this is the older man, the older prophet. He says, come home with me and eat bread. So this is the second time people have offered this to him. And again, this guy in verse number 17 says, no way, not coming home, not eating with you, not drinking with you. Why? Verse 17, because God told me not to. Guys, again, he had a clear command, right? God told him not to. All right, here's where you got to pay attention because it gets really tricky now. Verse number 18. This is the old prophet. He said unto him, I am a prophet as thou art. And an angel spake to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. Guys, what happens? Tells him, Come home and eat with me. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. He says, No, no, bro, I'm just like you. Listen, I'm a prophet too. I get sermons. I preach. I pray. I'm just like you. And God told me, actually, an, he sent an angel to tell me, go find that young prophet. Bring him home. Fellowship with him. Give him some bread. Give him some water to drink. He says, an angel told me that. Now, that younger prophet is sitting there relaxing. He's probably thinking, and that's kind of weird. You know, God told me not to, but... Okay, this guy said that an angel told him to do it. But what does it say at the end of verse number 18? 
But the old prophet lied unto him. Guys, he made it all up. It was all a trick. You know what? The young prophet fell for it. He fell for it in verse number 19. So he went back with him, did eat bread in his house and drank water. And the end of the story, guys, do you guys remember the end of the story? Can you fill in the gap for me? Ethan? Mm -hmm. As soon as he leaves that guy's house after disobeying God, he goes out in the way. A lion meets him. He doesn't meet him like, hello, I'm Mr. Lion. That's not what we're talking about. Talking about as soon as he got out in the road, lion kills him. Dead. What would a lion normally do? Eat him up, right? He doesn't do that. He kills the guy. The guy is just laying out there. His dead body is laying out there on the road. The lion just sits there and watches him. And that prophet was riding a donkey. The lion sits there, doesn't mess with the dead body to eat it up. And that donkey sits beside the lion, and they're both just watching this dead body. You say, why? Because it was a public spectacle. God is making an emphasis saying, you see that? You see that? That was my judgment on him. That He disobeyed me, and there are consequences for that. You say, Brother Tom, what does that have to do with us? All right? We talked about subtlety as a tactic of the devil, guys. There's also a trend that's deadly. Guys, listen. In modern day contemporary Christianity, listen, you know what's happened little by little? Things have been weakened. Things have been eroded. And guys, it can be very, very, very tricky. Listen, I'm warning you now as young people, you're going to work a job in the future and you're going to meet somebody and they're going to you're going to talk to them and say that you're a Christian. They say, oh, man, that's awesome. I'm a Christian, too. And you think that's great. But guys, then when you get to know them a little bit more, you're thinking they say they're a Christian, but the way they live is is off. It's not what the Bible says. Hey, guys, what I'm telling you now is don't fall for that trick. The devil is into. Can I tell you just flat out the devil's into religion? He's not into the true religion. He's not into um, getting our righteousness from Jesus Christ. What's up, man? He's not into that. He's not into the truth. But guys, if he can pervert things just a little bit, if he can twist things just slightly, again, subtly, so that he can mess you up, he's all about doing that. The trend that's deadly. Listen, what do they say? They say, I'm just like you, supposedly. Um, oh, we're Christians too, so it's okay. And what it happens when... This old prophet tells the younger prophet, hey, I'm just like you. He let his guard down, right? He said, oh, well, I guess it must be true if you're a prophet too. And if an angel told you, okay, he let his guard down. And guys, what does it do? It lightens up on God's commands. Hey, guys, a lot of evangelicals, okay? We are not those. We are fundamentalists. But a lot of evangelicals, you know what they do? Some of them do preach the gospel. I'm thankful for that. I truly am. And if they teach the Bible and preach the Bible... I appreciate that, and I'm for them in that respect. But can I tell you where they've completely missed the boat, and I have a major problem with it? The lack of biblical separation. They don't preach it, okay? You walk into a place like that, which are probably most Christian churches nowadays, in most of them you're going to hear the gospel, I hope. <laughs> Some of them you won't, which is another major problem. But in most of them, you're going to hear the gospel, which is a great thing. How you can be saved. Most important thing we can talk about, right? And some of them are going to teach the Bible pretty well. They'll lay out some of the doctrine. They'll lay out um, 
certain things that God wants us to do. But when it comes to separation, you say, what is that talking about? We're talking about how you dress, how you talk, what you listen to, where you go, what you watch, what you don't watch, what you listen to and what you don't listen to. And another uh, uh, many other countless things that we could talk about. But it's talking about, guys, separation from the world. Guys, as a Christian, we're supposed to be different from the world. When Jesus saved us, he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. What is all that saying? When you're saved now, you should live differently. The very dangerous trend that I see nowadays in a lot of so-called churches and in a lot of so-called Bible colleges is, guys, they're allowing a little bit of sin and worldliness. And you can kind of get close to it. And you know what it equates to? Guys, it equates to the same thing the devil says. The devil says, listen, just one won't hurt you. Just a little is not a big deal. You can get close to it. You can try it out. But when you want to stop, you can stop. Hey, guys. And then we have some Christians that advocate a very similar message when they say, hey, just a little bit, guys. Can I tell you flat out? There are like I'm talking about these evangelical churches. Most of these churches would would uh, say you can drink a little. Just go, don't go too far with it. They call it doing it in moderation, which I'm going to mention Again in a moment. Hey guys, can I tell you? I'm skipping ahead, skipping ahead, but the Bible says we shouldn't even look at it. The Bible says we shouldn't have, listen, you looking and paying attention? The Bible says we should have no dealings with alcohol at all. Hey guys, can I take it a step further? I don't even think in the future, I hope you're listening today, I know it's hot in here. In the future, when you get a job, you shouldn't even serve alcohol to somebody. That means if you work in a restaurant, you better be careful and you better check and your coworkers better know that if they order some some alcoholic beverage off the menu, you're not delivering that. If somebody else wants to do it, that's fine. Listen, my dad, when he first got saved, he was still in Bible college, only been saved a little time, guys. He was working in some convenience store and somebody was trying to buy lottery tickets. My dad said, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because Romans 6 says you shouldn't use your members, your body parts as instruments to sin, tools to sin. You know what someone else, his coworker that also went to the same Bible college said? Oh, I'll sell it to you. Hey, guys, a lot of churches, they don't have the proper biblical separation. Listen, guys, if this is where the world is, if this is where sin is, we need to be as far away from that as we can. The problem and the trend that's so deadly, guys, is people want to get as close as they can to it and say, well, as soon as I feel uncomfortable, Ethan, I'll get out. As soon as it gets a little scary, I'll run out. Guys, that's not how sin works. Sin, once you take a step into it, you can't just dabble your toe in it, guys. Once you get into sin, it grabs a hold of you. It sucks you in. Guys, It's a. I believe it comes out of hell for so-called churches to say, you can drink a little. You can mess around a little with your girlfriend. Just don't let it go too far. Just do all things in moderation, guys. We're going to get into just a moment here, actually what the Bible says. And you tell me, is what they say right or what the Bible says is right? We've got to see for ourselves. But guys, they lighten up on God's commands. They say, you can drink a little. I mean, hey, you can little listen to a little bit of that worldly music. Hey, guys, you know, you can touch your girlfriend a little bit, but just be careful. Um, if you're already touching your girlfriend in the first place, you're telling me that you're not careful. I mean... It's sad and it's sickening. And, and the trend, guys, is just very disturbing because they say, well, you know, none of it, we're not perfect. We're just forgiven. And yes, that's true. 
But guys, that's no excuse for us to play around with sin. That's no excuse for us to get as close to we can as we can to it. We've got to stay away from it. It lines up as the same thing. It equates to the same thing. In 1 Timothy 4.1, I won't have you turn there quite yet. But guys, it talks about in the latter days, some shall depart from the faith, giving, who, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Guys, you know what that tells me? The Bible says in the last days, which I believe we're here right now, we're living in that time. You know what it says? Some people are going to start preaching it says seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's talking about demons. Zach, that tells me demon doctrine will be preached. Whew. Did that blow you away? Because that blows me away. I'm not saying all these people are out of hell. Some of them are good people and some of them do some good things. But in this area, they're completely clueless about it. And we can't be because it kills people. Hey, guys, I've seen churches that... New pastors have gone in there and they, Zach, you've seen it too. We've talked about these things. They've thrown out the standards. They've thrown out the old beliefs. They've thrown out the things that the church used to stand for. And you know what happens, guys? You know what happens? That so-called pastor may go on to a different ministry, quote unquote. But you know what happens to the lives of those people that, that are under that ministry? They get destroyed by the devil. They get jacked up. I've heard about the stories of the girls that get pregnant now because they thought they could play around a little bit with it. I've heard the stories people now that used to never have this stuff now. And now they're they mess around with alcohol all the time. They drink every every week, probably every day. They serve it. They're a bartender. Are you kidding me? Hey, guys, that's a danger. That's a deadly thing. And I'm not okay with that. And greater than that, God's not okay with that. Bible also talks about in Timothy, it says uh, people won't uh, won't endure sound doctrine, but they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Guys, they're not going to be into the truth anymore. They just want their ears tickled. They just want what appeals to them. They just want what flows with their lifestyle. Hey, by, by the way, guys, when I walk into church, it's not about what flows with my lifestyle. It's about what pleases God. And listen, we're not trying to change God to fit you and me. We're trying to change you and me to fit him. You understand? He's the priority. He's what's most important. And guys, we need to be more like him, not try to change him to be more like us. It equates to the same thing. And guys, my question is, have you bought into that lie? Have you bought into that lie? All right, now I need you to turn some places. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1. And then we're going to start flipping around here a little bit. Galatians chapter 1, as we finish up this point. Galatians 1, over in the New Testament. So there's a lack of biblical separation. That's the trend that's deadly. And guys, it's shocking and it's very deadly. Why? Because it masquerades in the form of, well, this is Christianity. Hey, I'm just like you. There's nothing different about us, right? We're all the same. But yet in this area, they're so contrary to what God says. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 8. All right, Galatians 1, verse number 8. I know this is talking about the gospel, but I'm going to broaden it out just a bit. Galatians 1, 8. It says, Paul says, but though we... Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Hey, Paul went to this place, he preached the gospel, people got saved. After he left and moved on to a different place to start another church, people came in and guys, they perverted it. 
And they said, no, no, what Paul told you, maybe he had some truth to it, but you've got to do this now. And they changed this and they changed that. And they said, you've got to keep the law. And they said, you've got to be circumcised and all this thing to, to be saved. What did, Paul gets back to them through this letter and he's saying, what are we talking about? He's saying, listen, guys, the message is not mine. The message is not the apostles that we made up. It comes from God. And he said, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel, something different. You know what he says? Let him be accursed. Don't you listen to that. They're under the judgment of God. They're under the condemnation of God. He says, don't you listen to that, guys. I would say, I know we're not talking about how how to get saved necessarily, but if people try to change the way we live as Christians and they leave this out and they don't emphasize what God has told us to emphasize, guys, that's deadly. Hello? That's deadly. That's dangerous. Stay away from it. Paul says, let him be accursed. Go to Matthew now. Matthew 5. After Matthew 5, we're going to go back to Ezekiel. So if you want to get prepared for that, Matthew 5. It's a great verse that we often overlook because there's a lot of famous verses around it. But Matthew chapter 5, verse number 19. Jesus is speaking, Sermon on the Mount. He's preaching. Verse number 19, it says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Fellas, what's that saying? Can you decipher what's going on here? Yeah, go for it. What's verse 19 talking about? Anybody know? What you got? I guess, I guess, like, I guess, I just, like, you know, Okay. All right. Yeah. You got some good parts to that. Yeah. In verse number 19, guys, he's saying, listen, oh, you got something? Go ahead. Uh, um, I guess this is, uh, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach. So I guess talking about um, break one of these least commandments, I think it's just talking about how. Uh, people, they believe the Bible, but there's maybe like one little thing here that they don't quite agree with. Right. So they, I guess, diminish it and then they start teaching other people that, oh, it's not that bad. Right. So I guess that's what it means when it says um, one of these least commandments. Right. And very, very good answer. And you continue on. It says they shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. God doesn't say if they do wrong and teach wrong. These people are saved. The teachers, right? He doesn't say, yep, they're not going to heaven. No, he just says they'll be least in the kingdom of heaven. There's going to be at the judgment seat, they're going to have to um, answer to that, right? You understand? They're still going to heaven. But what is he saying, guys? He's saying, Jesus says, if they diminish, if they disobey, and then they pass that on, hey, maybe it's an area of tithing. Maybe it's an area of separation. Maybe it's an area of music. Maybe it's this or that. And I don't agree with that, Zach, because I don't like it. And it doesn't fit with my lifestyle. And it makes me uncomfortable. So I break that command. But then I pass it on to Wes. I say, Wes, you don't have to keep that. Zach, you don't have to keep that. You know, they say that in church. And yeah, this is a big deal. No, it's nothing. And I teach that. Hey, that person will still go to heaven. I would still go to heaven. But God is not pleased with that. There's going to be some repercussions because of that. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? That Jesus uh, said there. And then uh, I want to give you, actually, I'll just quote it to you. But one more, guys. In Ezekiel twenty-two twenty-six. Very important verse to know. It talks about the priest in that time. It says they put no difference 
between the unclean and the clean. They put no difference between the holy and the profane. You know what that means, guys? They blended it all together. They blended it all together. Guys, you know what you do not need from a church? For them to blend it all together. Well, we have some truth and we have some lies. We have some righteousness and we have some wickedness. But you know what, George? We're just going to blend it all together. Mix it up and see what happens. That's not what you need, guys. Hey, guys, what if I did that with you? I say, hey, uh, George, I see you got a water bottle. I know we have one back there because he used it in the game like 12 times. All right, I understand. But listen, what if I say, hey, guys, can I can I borrow your water bottle just real quick? Uh, thank you, man. And then I just take a one drop. I'm just going to put one drop in there, okay? Nothing big, just one drop. Boop. All right, I'll give it right back to you. Um, but Tom, what was that? Oh, just a little poison. Just one drop, though. Hey, just one. Not a big deal, right? I'm sure the rest of it's still good. Just be careful what you drink, all right? Drink out of the side of your mouth. Or what do you got to do? You say, Brother Tom, that's foolish. You, you drink any of that water, you'll be poisoned. You'll get sick. You may die. Hey, guys, the same thing could happen in a church if they mix in a little error, if they mix in a little wickedness, if they mix in a little stuff that's not true and stuff that will harm you in with the truth. Guys, that's a danger. And you need to avoid that at all costs. He says they put no difference. Guys, in church, we need to set the lines to be very clear cut. This is right. This is wrong. This is wicked. This is godly. We need to do that. And that's why we make such a big deal of it in the preaching, guys. All right? So, the tactic of the devil is subtlety. The trend that's deadly is many Christians, they want us to scoot up right next to sin. Now, point number three and last. The truth that's definitive. The truth that's definitive. Now, just go to Proverbs, and we will get there before you know it. We're going to be in there a bunch. We're going to hit a bunch of these. And I'm doing it on purpose, guys. Hey, guys, I want you to see what the Bible says about it, okay? So you judge for yourself. What does God say about the area of separation? Separating from sin, separating from wickedness. Proverbs, and I will get rolling there pretty soon with you guys. Proverbs, you can just go to chapter 1 and... Uh, yeah, I'll meet up with you there in a moment. The truth, that's definitive. All right, guys, so what does God say? What What is the fact here? What is the truth about this whole issue and topic that we're talking about? Hey, guys, let me start off by saying just in the basic format and the basic understanding of this. Guys, listen, everyone, listen, everyone that gets deeply into sin, you know how they start? They start with a little, right? Let's be honest about that. Hey, guys, the drunk didn't become a drunk the first time he drank. Right? He just started with a little. Like we're talking about. It's a tactic of the devil. It's a trend that's deadly. You start somewhere. You start with just a little bit. People just say, just try it. Just try a little bit. Hey, you're not going to be a slobbering drunk. You're not going to be throwing, throwing up over yourself and having a hangover. Just try it. Just taste it. And then that leads to a little more and a little more and a little more. And then it gets way out of hand. And their whole lives are dominated by this wicked substance. Guys, everybody deeply into sin started with a little. The drunk started with one drink. The drug addict started with his first time. Hey, that porn addict started with the first click. That pervert started with the first wicked thought and then the first wicked action. Hey, guys, it always starts with a little. Let's not be fools. Let's not stand over here and say, you can get close to it. You can try a little bit of it. You can drink just a, a, just a little bit of it. It's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. It leads to more. So that's the primary thing. All right. Now let's pound this real quick. Let's measure our Christianity not by what contemporary Christianity says, not by what's popular. Let's see what God says about it. All right. You're in Proverbs. Proverbs 110. We're going to hit a bunch of these. Try to... 
Follow along as quick as you can. 110. My son, if sinners entice thee, what does it say? Consent thou not. He doesn't say you can go along with them until you get uncomfortable. Right? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say go along with them until they start doing some naughty things. No. He says when sinners entice thee, consent not. You know what that means? Say no. Say no. By the way, guys. A Christian is not just somebody that's always, that's always nice to people and whatever they say, we go along with. We say, that's fine. Amen. No. Sometimes we got to say no to people. And they say, you want to try this? You want to do this? You want to go here? You want to you look at this? No, I don't. You know why? Because I'm a Christian. Yeah. Consent thou not. All right. Chapter 3, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. What's the last part of the verse? Depart from evil. Aiden, he didn't say... You can just hang out with it for a while. Just just, just do a little bit of it. What does it say? Depart. Guys, that's a strong word. That's a forceful word, right? Depart. Get out of there. Don't play with it. Don't mess with it. All right, that's chapter 3, verse 7. Depart from evil. Go to chapter 4, verse 15. This is in the context of talking about wicked men. Chapter 4, verse... I'll pick it up in 14. It says, enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. I love verse 15. Check this out. 4.15 of Proverbs. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Um, do you think he's emphasizing that and banging that thing till it's dead? Yes. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. He's saying, get out of there. Get out of there now. Guys. What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say we can play around with alcohol? Does the Bible say we can get close to committing fornication? We can click on uh, some of this stuff, but just, you know, you need to stop it before it gets really off the rails and out of control. The Bible says get away from it, depart from it, uh, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. Get out of there as soon as possible. Hey, how about Joseph? When, when this woman's trying to tempt him, did he say, oh, it's okay, Miss Potiphar, let's, let's, let's sit on the bed and pray. This was not the time to pray. This was the time to flee. This was the time to roll out as soon as possible. Turn on the jets and burn out of there. Leave. That's what Joseph did. Guys, if, if he would have done anything otherwise, he would have fallen into that sin. Guys, let's stop being so foolish about this and falling for the lies of the devil. Solomon's telling his son, avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Um, real fast at the end of. 427, it says, remove thy foot from evil. Get out of there. Guys, listen, if you're in sin today with music, with clicking on stuff, with girls you talk to, friends you hang around, you're paying attention. I don't like this. Too bad. Remove your foot from evil. When, Brother Tom? When we have an emotional service. When youth conference comes around, guys, four more, uh, four, almost five months from now, I'll tell you, that would be a no. Forget all that. You take your foot out of that sin today. That's what God is calling for you to do. Remove your foot from evil. Get it out of there. Stop doing it. Guys, if there's apps you need to, to delete, if there's accounts you need to get rid of, whatever you got to do, man, if there's phone numbers you need to block, if you're doing it for the Lord and you know that's a wicked influence on you, do it today. Get your foot out of there. Chapter 5, verse 7. These seems like a lot of reference references, Brother Tom. I'm sorry, verse 8. You're right. They are a lot of references because I want you to be pounded into your mind. What does God say? Chapter 5, verse 8. This is talking about a wicked, seductive woman trying to tempt people. What does it say? Remove thy way far from her. Come not nigh the door of her house. Guys, if you know somebody that, that is a, a acquaintance of yours and they're always flirtatious and they're always trying to get 
touch you and, and play around with you and all this kind of stuff. Guys, what does the Bible say? Remove thy way far from her. Does anybody not understand that? Is that ambiguous? Is that unclear? Is that mysterious? Remove thy way far from her. What does that mean? Hmm. Let's ponder that. Let's have one of those theological debates that you guys want to have. No. Get out of there. Get as far away as possible. Right? Clear cut? Hey, guys, that's what God is calling for us to do. So that's why I very strongly disagree with Christians, Ethan, that diminish these things. Oh, you can drink. Just don't get drunk. Zach, I was reading, I think this morning. I'm tired, so I don't know if it was this morning or last night. <laughs> but some article, and they were talking about, well, Jesus didn't totally abstain from alcohol. Dude, I about blew up in my chair. Like, are you kidding me? And, and, and we studied this, too. And Paul told Timothy, don't keep drinking water. You need to take a little wine for your stomach. Yeah, real, a real fermented wine will tear your stomach up, whereas grape juice will be healing, has healing properties for your stomach. We know that wasn't fermented and alcoholic. How, I, this person that wrote this article, I wanted to slap him if I could reach through the web page, but couldn't do that. Like, are you kidding me? What ignorance? And you're going to write an article about you're an expert on the Bible? Shut up. I need to break your finger so you can't type. No, I shouldn't have said that, all right? I need to remove my way far from speaking like that. But anyway, all right? He says, remove your way far from them, guys. Maybe there's somebody you need to stop hanging around. Maybe when you see them coming, you need to start going. He says, remove that way far from them. Hey, guys, you remove your way far from a flirtatious and seductive young woman, you'll keep your way clean. You'll keep your mind clean. You'll keep your heart clean. And you'll keep yourself pure. Here we go, man. I like the next chapter. Chapter 6, verse 27, 28. Again, talking about the context of adultery and a seductive woman. Verse 27. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? What's the answer? No. You can't play with fire and not get burned. Verse 28, can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? Answer, no. You mess with it, it's going to hurt you, right? Hey, guys, then why do we take that lesson and throw it out the window when it comes to these areas of our life? Well, I can play with it. Guys, I heard. And for most things, this guy is pretty good. He does like a Christian talk show. A lot of things, he has some pretty good ideas and pretty biblical about things. But this is about the dumbest thing I ever heard him say. He said, you know, when it comes to rules for teenagers, as far as dating, touching, those kind of things. He said, you know, my belief and my practice is Zach, get this. My belief is that, you know, the Bible doesn't forbid touching and all that. <clears throat> I got a problem with that. Hint. Spoiler alert. All right. But my belief is that Zach, they can start into that. But when they start to feel uncomfortable. That's when they need to back away. Dude, my mouth about hit the floor. Like, how stupid is that? Guys, when the devil's tempting you. And by the way, when your hormones are about to bust out of your chest and you're thinking, whoa, this is amazing. Do you really think you're going to stop halfway through and say, no, no, let's pray. Are we stupid? Hello? You paying attention, guys? You say, well, what does the Bible say? We'll get in there in a minute. Just, just hold on. We'll get there. Guys, it's very clear cut. You're still in Proverbs. Go to chapter 16. Keep it moving here. Chapter 16, verse number 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men, what's the rest of it? Depart from evil. Again, what does that mean? Get away from it. Chapter 16 and verse... 
Let's see. Let's see. 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. There we go. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Guys, how many times? Remove your way. Get as far away as possible. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Depart, depart, depart. Guys, that's clear cut and it's pounded on. And it's not just in Proverbs. Now, actually, I got one more I want you to see in Proverbs. Chapter 19, verse 27. Chapter 19, verse 27. Along the same lines. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. Guys, you know what cease means? Stop. Stop completely. It doesn't mean don't do it as much or minimize it. It means stop. Guys, this would be a good verse about music. This would be a verse about uh, listening to people that, that tell dirty jokes and, and, and all these kind of innuendo things that will lead you astray. Cease. Stop hearing that stuff. Get away from it. He says, cease my son to hear the instruction that causes you to err from the words of knowledge. Stop it and stop it completely. Guys, that's strong. All right. Now let's go to, if you go to Second Corinthians with me. I got a few more of these, but guys, I think this is important. By the way, I could have hit this one in Proverbs. The Bible says, look not thou upon the wine when it is red. Don't even look at it. Second Corinthians chapter six is where I want you to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You say, Brother Tom, why are we hitting so many of these references? Because I want you to see. I want there to be no question in your mind what the Bible says about it. I want it to be clear cut. I want it to be hammered on over and over and over again. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I just, the, the key verse is verse 17, but I want to pick it up in 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what... Fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with he with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse number 17, our key verse. Wherefore, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Guys, you know what he's saying in all those verses? There is no agreement between the devil's side and God's side. There's nothing in common of light and darkness. Guys, once we got saved, we're in the light now. We belong to Christ. And there should be a vast difference between the two. And then he says, because we are different, come out from among them. Be separate, guys. Maybe the Holy Spirit's telling you today, come out from that wicked music. Come out from those TV shows that you know you shouldn't watch. Come out from those friends that are bringing you down. Come out from that wickedness. Come out from that clicking on porn. Come out. Get out of there. Guys, if you're a, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives within inside you, within you. And when you do sins, you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's pounding on you. And you know what he's saying? Get out of there. Get out of there. I'm not comfortable there. Hey, guys. You need to listen to what God says today. He says, come out from among them. Come out from the wickedness. Come out from the worldliness. Guys, our job is not to get as close to it as we can. And just a little won't hurt us. No, just a little does hurt you. And what does God tell us to do? Get away from it. Uh-huh. All right, a couple more. Go to Second Timothy. This might be the last one I have you turn to, perhaps. Second Timothy, toward the back of the Bible, chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Again, guys, these verses, they're not hard to understand. And there's a ton of them. It's pounded on. It's, there's an overwhelming testimony of what God says. Verse number 19. Can somebody read it for me? 2 Timothy 2, 19. Ethan. Um, 
Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knows that of them that are his, and let everyone that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There you go again at the end of the verse. Let everyone that name the name of Christ. You know who that is? Anybody that says they're Christians. I would say most guys in the room would say, yes, I'm a Christian. So what's your job? The end of the verse. Depart from iniquity. Is anybody clueless about that? Is anybody unclear about that? Depart from iniquity. Get away from sin. It's clear cut. There's no excuse to be close to it. There's no excuse to play around with it. We said um, we should cease to hear the wicked instruction. Hey, guys, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee fornication. Guys, you see a, a sexual uh, temptation coming your way, something that would make you think wrong or act wrong. What does the Bible say? Flee. What is flee? Run away. Get out of there. Get out of that situation. Second, uh, what was it? Second Timothy 2.22. You're probably right there in that same chapter. Flee also youthful lust. Hey, guys, get away from it. Don't play with it. Hey, guys, you play with fire, you'll be burned. You play with the snake, you're going to get bit. There's no use playing with something that's so deadly, so dangerous. Don't get it mistaken, guys. Sin is a killer. Sin is a cancer. It destroys lives. Why would you play with it? This is why I have an issue with people who say, oh, just a little bit is not that big a deal. Yes, it is a big deal. And guys, the devil's coming at you with it. And don't you listen to these fake me out Christians that say, oh, it, it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. God wants us to be holy as he is holy. We talked about Joseph. He ran away from that temptation. It says he did, he wouldn't hearken unto that woman, that wicked woman, or to be with her. It says he fled and he got him out. He got out of that situation in Genesis 39. Bible says, love not the world. Guys, we shouldn't be buddying up with the wickedness of this world. Hello? And guys, I'll throw these last couple at you. Ephesians 5.10, it says... Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of unrighteousness. Guys, the wickedness, the darkness, the, the, the lies and the deception of this world have no fellowship with it. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Hey, guys, a little cussing is too much. A little bit of telling dirty jokes is not okay. He says, let no corrupt communicate. Well, brother Tom, we're going to mess up. We're not perfect. Yeah, I get that. But we should strive to be perfect. Yeah. And when we mess up, ask God to forgive us and get back on track. Hey, guys, just one bite plunged Adam and Eve into sin and the whole human race. Just one look started the chain of events that had David from the greatest king and the most spiritual man in all of the Old Testament fall and fall into the sin of adultery. And you know from there, it didn't stop there. He murdered a guy and things got worse and worse and worse. And I believe if he didn't repent at that preaching from Nathan, David would have died. Guys, it's that serious. It all started with one look, with just a very small bit. Hey, guys, and what does God say about it? Psalm 5.4. God is not a God that has uh, pleasure in iniquity, neither shall evil dwell with him. God's holy. And he calls us to be holy. He's of, pure, he's of a purer eyes than to behold iniquity. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And guys, he lays out that pattern for us. He's holy. He wants us to be holy just like him. He wants us to hate evil if we love the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy in the evil way do I hate. Guys, let me finish with this. Practically, what do we need to do? All right, what do we need to do with this message? Stay strict on yourself. Stay tight on yourself. You know, the devil's going to come after you, George, with something very small. 
Ethan, something very small. Kevin, something very small. Just to get you to budget, just a little. Hey, it's not the end of the world, he'll tell you. It's not that big a deal. It's just one song. It's just touching her a little bit. It's just messing around with it. It's just having some fun. Come on, man, loosen up. No, you stay tight on yourself. Why? Not because I told you, because God told you. You've seen it. Do you need me to go through all those verses again? No, no, we're good. Mercy, uncle, right? Listen, then you see what God says for yourself. He says, get away from it as far as possible Get out of there now. That's what he tells us repeatedly. Stay strict on yourself. Hey, guys, don't start with just a little. Don't don't do that first thing that will start the ball rolling in your life. Hey, guys, the Bible says 1 Corinthians 7, 1. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. That's what God says about it. Listen, when you get married, then God ordains that. God blesses that. But until you're married, you putting your hands all over your girlfriend is a sin. And it will lead to more wickedness. Don't start. Guys, don't start. You start touching her a little bit, it will not stop there. It'll only continue and get you into more trouble. Don't don't delve into that wicked music just a little bit. Guys, don't start with that first click that, that defiles your mind. As the Bible tells us, we shouldn't even look at the alcohol. Don't take that first sip. Stay away from it. Guys, uh, don't... don't Start the practice of lying in your life or cheating or trying to get away with falsehood in your life, guys. Maybe there's some people you need to stop texting. Maybe there's some ones that you that you should never start texting. Maybe there's some people you should never hang out with. Hey, guys, how about this? I'll finish with this. Maybe there's some young ladies that you should not follow on social media because they don't know how to dress. And when you start following them, you're going to start lusting after their pictures. Guys, don't start small. It's just a picture. Come on, man. We live in the 21st century. Come on. That's how teenagers live nowadays. They have social media. If your social media is causing you to lust like a pig, get rid of it. Cancel your account today. Is it a big deal or not? Guys, if you want to have a life that God blesses, if you want to have a marriage that God uh, blesses and gives you a, a great life, you got to deal with sin now. But you know what the devil says? Just a little is not that big a deal. Hey, I want to fly in the face of that and say just a little does hurt you. It's a tactic of the devil. It's a trend that's deadly. More and more churches don't preach against sin anymore. Hey guys, that's kind of out of date. That's kind of uh, obsolete in most church mindsets nowadays. Hey guys, the Bible hasn't changed. You see the truth that's definitive. Avoid it. Remove yourself from it. Uh, don't go near it. Remove that way far from her. Get away from it. Let everyone that name it the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Come out from among them. Be separate. Be ye holy as he is holy. It keeps pounding it over and over and over and over. So guys, the message is this. Just a little does hurt you. So you know my advice? Let's not start with a little because it only leads to more trouble. Let's bow our